I am I am excited to be here today. Um, I I have a problem though. I mean, I have a lot of problems, right? <laughs> but the problem I have today is how do you take weeks and weeks and weeks of looking at a message and compress it into like I don't know, thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes. It's hard. So you're going to have to be a little patient with me today. I'm asking for your permission to add maybe 5 or 10 or maybe even 15 minutes or so. Because I am not going to preach. I prefer to see this as a teachable moment. And when I send the, uh, the uh, topic to uh, Trevor, <laughs> the topic is, can I trust you with lunch he responded by telling me that he's a lousy cook. So no, I cannot trust him with my lunch. <clears throat> life has changed, right? Life, life has changed um, in several ways. More so uh, during this uh, pandemic. And sometimes we think that we've, we've gotten through it. And then when we look around, we see cases spiking again, like for instance in, um, in China, they have what, 27 cities now on lockdown, and Shanghai, which has about 28 million people, are literally on lockdown again. And we know that whatever happens in Asia, it takes a little while to get here. So I don't know that we will ever get back to how we used to be. So we just have to figure this out. And that's why I've captioned the message for today, or the, the, the lesson study for today, can I trust you with lunch? You know, one of the ways in which we have changed is through this thing called uh, food delivery. Remember the days when it only used to be like the pizza delivery, like on Saturday nights and so on. Now we have, um, well, we have at least a million of them we have. Um, Uber Eats, we have DoorDash, and we have so many of them. Um, and I had a conversation with my daughter, Brittany, because I saw her, you know, she's in school, but girlfriend is traveling and doing her hair and nails, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, where are you getting this money? <laughs> and she said, well, I'm doing DoorDash. I'm like, oh, so tell me about it. She said, well, you know, it's, uh, I go to the restaurants and I pick up the food and I dash it to people and they give me a tip and I, I live in a nice area and my, my uh, tip is healthy and so I'm doing fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then she says, but I, I need to move on because even though it's good, it's not what I want to do with my life. The money is good. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's important. But I need to move on to something more lucrative. And I've captioned this lesson, discussion, can I trust you with lunch? I should have made a subtitle like, can I trust you with lunch? DoorDash. Maybe I can, I can add that later. I want to extract some nuggets from probably one of the best-known stories in the Bible. And I want to try to retell it like you've never heard it told 
before. And I'm hoping that as we discuss that indelible imprints will be made on the tracks of your consciousness. So every time you hear this story, you will remember what I say. I have heard the story of David and Goliath multiple times. And it always seems to be that the theme is a little boy defeating a giant and becoming king in Israel, right? And I always thought that was the only theme. What if I tell you that this story has literally nothing to do with Goliath? I see I have your attention. What if I tell you that <laughs> Goliath just happened to mess with the right person at the right time? What if I tell you that this story has everything to do with how you, how I, manage the little things in life? I'm sure you don't see that, right, in this story like being nice to people, like watching what you say to people. What you say and how you treat people can change the trajectory of their lives forever. What if I tell you that God looks for a particular type of person and then he he curates circumstances and he sets them up once he knows that he can trust you with lunch. I want to show you how David was the most unlikely person to be in this story. And I want to show you that if left up to man, Sister Wright, this story would never have been written. The story almost never made it to the Bible. I was looking at this, I went, wow, I never saw this. I want to read the scripture reading again, and thank you, Abby, for reading this so well. And I want to take my time. I'm not going to rush. I mean, we've been away all week, right? Like, what are you going to go home and do? Go shopping? I don't think so. <laughs> so quit looking at your watch. <laughs> Sit back and just, I've been, I've been looking at this text for like three, four months, and I'm not going to do this in ten minutes. It's, not gonna, it's just not going to happen today. 1 Samuel 17, 13 to 19. I'm going to jump around a little. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, reading verse 16. For 40 days the Philistine came forward, and every morning and evening took his stand. Now Jesse said to 
to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along the ten cheeses to the commander. Verse 19. There with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. And I want you to fact check me as I go through, because that's what we do, right? <clears throat> Check this out. Check this out, Gabe. On six different occasions, this story never, almost did not make it into the Bible. Six times before David got to Goliath, he was told that he was not good enough. Did you see that in the text that I just read? Probably not. I'm going to read it again, and this time I want you to pay attention. It's like, I almost said like, it's like if you're in the movies, but you're not in the movies. I'm reading verse 13. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. What does that mean? Trevor, put that map up on the screen for me. I did a little bit of research, and... I almost fell off my chair when I looked at what was happening here. Look at the map. <clears throat> look at where Bethlehem is, and look at where the Valley of, of Elah is. And keep in mind, in those days, there were no roads. The distance today, it takes a train about an hour and a half to get from Bethlehem to the Valley of Elah. Back then, there were no trains. It was roughly about 74 miles. So you either had to walk or ride a camel or ride something. There were no paved roads. You with me so far? And the Bible said that David went back and forth from Saul to Bethlehem, roughly about 74 miles. It's like the distance from Lansing to Ypsilanti without roads. So, a 140 miles round trip David engaged in on a regular basis. And check this out. Saul never saw him as fit for battle. Let that sink in for a little. He never saw David as fit for battle. When you go home, read chapter 16 to get the backstory. I'm setting up this story. So I'm, I'm taking my time, so don't try to sleep on me. Saul never saw David as, Saul knew David 
David was already anointed by Samuel to be king while he was going back and forth. And the best that Saul saw was someone who can play the harp as a musician, doing a gig job for him. That's how Saul saw David. The implicit message was, you are not good enough for my army. And just in case you think I'm making it up, right? Remember when David finally went to fight Goliath? Remember what Saul said to him in verse 33 of this text? He says, Saul said to David, I don't think it's a smart idea to go up against Goliath. But if you're going to go, at least go with my sword and shield. You are just a kid. That's the second time Saul said to David, you are not good enough. That's why I said this story almost did not make it into the Bible. So that's two times Saul said, you are not good enough. Watch this. Now, David's own father, Jesse. Jesse said to David, I want you to take lunch to your brothers. That's your only assignment. DoorDash. I'm going somewhere with this. That's how Jesse saw David as less than. The implicit message was, you are not good enough to fight in that battle. I just want you to take lunch to your brothers. That's his father. Parents, be very careful what you say to your children. Be very careful what you say to young people. But Jesse wasn't finished as yet. When Samuel went to consecrate one of Jesse's sons, that is a sad story. Samuel said, parade your sons in front of me. The Lord wants me to anoint one of them. Jesse paraded his seven sons in front of Samuel. And Samuel said, no, 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 no. It's neither one of them. Don't you have another son? And Jesse said, yes, I do. But in uh, Samuel's uh, uh, 16, 11, this is very sad. Jesse said, yes, I have another son. But guess what? He's tending sheep. This is his father. And all he saw in his son was a shepherd. He said he's tending sheep. Samuel said, you better go and get him fast. So twice, David's father said he was not good enough. Twice, Saul said he was not good enough. And then... David's eldest brother. Oh man, this story broke my heart. This story has little to do with Goliath. This has to do with David and how he got to Goliath. 
what he had to do to get there. And I hope when you leave here today, whatever problems come your way, whatever people say to you, you will ignore what they say to you and surmount your problems. That's the message. That's the story of David and Goliath. Read verse 28. Eliab said to David, when David showed up, Eliab burned with anger and said, You little brat, what are you doing here? Who did you leave those two sheep with? to take care of. This is his eldest brother telling David, you are nothing more than a little brat. And then when Goliath saw David, remember what he said to David? Am I a dog? You come in to fight against me. Am I a dog? Here's my question to you. Sister Wright. What if David had believed them? See why I said this story almost never made it to the Bible? The whole course of history would have been different if David had listened to them. Now that I have your undivided attention, now I can share the lesson with you. I've spoken about the six rejections. That was just the appetizer. Now we get to the message. We start with Jesse. Jesse said to David, verse 17, Take this epa of roasted grain and ten cheeses and loaves and take it to the camp and take along these ten cheeses to the commander and see how your brothers are doing. Very specific information. Jesse did not send David to fight Goliath. David's only assignment that day was to door dash food to his brothers. Had David known that he was going to meet Goliath, he would have prepared differently. He had no sword. He had nothing. All he's taking, he is taking lunch to his brothers. 74 miles walking or riding a donkey or a camel or a chariot to take lunch to his brothers, Sister Brazil. That's his only assignment. Here's my first observation. Great people do little things with diligence. Let me say that again. Great people do little things with diligence. If David had refused that assignment... He would not have met Goliath that day. If David had said, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm too cute for that because David was a good-looking guy. Every time you read a story about David, he's, he was a really good-looking guy. If David had said, I'm not going, history would have been different. When you go home, read that story again. When Jesse gave the instruction to David the night before, David made preparation for someone else to take care of his sheep. David had to get up very early in the morning and walk or ride 74 miles to get to his brothers. Great people do little things with diligence. Let me ask you a question. When you are asked to distribute food at the church, or you are asked to be a greeter, what is your attitude like? When you go to work and you're dissatisfied with your boss, how do you behave? How do you manage the little things? How do you manage lunch? Because if I cannot be trusted with lunch, I cannot be trusted with a giant. Is this making sense? How do you behave when you're on your way to church and someone comes up by the window and knocks on the door and begs for money by the traffic light? How do you behave when you go through the drive-through and the person gets your order wrong? You wanted the impossible burger and diet coke and they give you a fish burger and coke with sugar. How do you behave? God is watching you. And he's not watching you to punish you. He's watching to see, can I trust him with lunch? Can I, can I, can I trust him with the little things in life? If you, if you cannot return tithe, on a hundred dollars, pardon my English, you ain't going to return tithe on a million dollars. If you can't carry lunch, how in the world are you going to fight a giant? It's just not going to happen. Is there a reason why God placed you in Kroger or Meyer or on that seat on the plane? Is there a reason why God allowed that to happen? So that you can be a witness to some persons. My life has been altered just by incidental comments that people made to me. There was a time when I didn't used to feel great about myself. I mean, I'm cute, I know that, right? I have never forgotten a comment that my aunt made. She was doing the laundry. And I showed up. And she said, oh, wow, that's my nephew. Wow, I'm so proud of you. Boy, you're going to do well. I was about six when she said that. 
And I've never forgotten what she said. The little things that you say to people, the little lunch that you have to carry, how diligently are you carrying that lunch? This is what this story is all about. That's my first observation. Great people do little things with diligence. Today I get calls from Kevin. He called me a few weeks ago. You know Kevin, right? Kevin Joseph. I pushed that guy when he wasn't doing well in school. I insisted and I pushed Jordan and I pushed Brittany and when they came home and they said I got a B plus or a B minus or an A my only question was did you do your best that's my only question did you do your best now today Kevin calls me calls me uncle Colin he said uncle Colin man I'm in the I'm in the military now and um, I am managing um, a real estate rental company and I need you to come in and invest with me I'm like whoa Kevin whoa Brittany calls me dad pretty soon you're gonna have to call me uh, dr. Brittany when Jordan says um, just this week just this week just this week he said dad today I'm a man he said I know how to take a punch I know how to fail but I know how to get up and I know how to get up and do it and do it again and he said I wanna he called Abby he said I wanna call Abby Abby wants to go to med school tell Abby to call me I'll tell her the tricks of the trade these are kids who could have gone the other way? Watch what you say. Be diligent with lunch. That's my first observation. Here's my second observation. I'm not even going to get to Goliath. So don't worry. God has a way of providing deliverance through distress. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well, let us push a pause on David taking lunch to his brothers. Just push the pause button. And then here's something that sounds totally unrelated. The story of Ruth has nothing to do with David taking lunch. You remember the story of Ruth? There was a famine in the land and she had to leave with her husband and go over to Moab. Remember that story? And with her two sons. And her two sons married Moabite women. And then her husband died. And her two sons died. And then and then and then Noam, and then she was left with uh, Ruth and Orpha. So the three ladies, right? Naomi, Ruth, and Orpha. The men have died. And after ten years. Naomi needs to go back to her country with nothing in her hand. And then they had that, that emotional parting. Orpha stayed with her people. And then Ruth said, remember, where you go, I will go. And where you perish, I will perish. Where am I going with this? You know, God is just amazing. We still have the pause button on David. 
we still have that pause button. And Naomi and Ruth came back to her town, and the people said, wow, Naomi, you look bad. Read the story. Naomi said, do not call me Naomi. That means pleasant. Call me Mara, because God has dealt harshly with me. And then Ruth, her daughter-in-law, had to glean in the fields and pick up scraps. And then Ruth caught the eyes of Boaz, and they got married. And then Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. It took four generations. You should be jumping and screaming. Four generations for God to get through tragedy and distress and horrible stuff to get to David. God was preparing David even before David was born. God has this ability to provide deliverance out of distress. These two women and by the way, Ruth was a heathen. David came through the line of Ruth, and Jesus came through the line of David, but that's a different sermon. So God prepared David for this moment. Talk about God's providence. That's my second observation. God's ability to deliver through distress. And check this out. David shows up at a battle at the exact moment that Goliath started talking trash. If David had been five minutes late, he would have missed this moment. But because he could be trusted with lunch, and because God had been waiting, you see, for the Israelites, it was all about, can we win or not? For David, it was all about, Am I, I'm going to take lunch. But for God, this was God's moment. David shows up. And then his brother Eliab, we read the story, said, what are you doing here? With whom did you leave those few sheep? Get out of here. And I tell you what, that was the moment when the stories in the Bible almost didn't happen. The Bible says, David left him and turned to the next person. And I'm wondering if you guys can put that text up in terms of what David was asking the people. David said to them, uh, what is going to happen to the guy who killed, who kills Goliath? Did you see, do you, have you seen anything in that text? I bet you never saw it like I saw it. But that, let me read that again. And David said, I started laughing when I read this text. What is going to happen to the man who kills Goliath. My father says I'm a boy. 
Saul says I'm a boy. Eliab says that I'm a brat. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I am no kid in the eyes of God. I am a man. What shall be done for the man? You can call me a boy if you want. You can write me off. But in the eyes of God, I'm a man. And then something dramatic happens. And this is my final observation. And if you haven't heard anything that I said, I want you to always remember this. When David started asking the question, what's going to happen to the man? And Eliab said, get out of here. I made an observation, and here's my observation. And, and uh, Enos knows what I'm going to say. Be very careful with whom you share your dreams. When Eliab said what he said to David, my heart sunk. Be very careful with whom you share your dreams. David could have walked away and that would have been the end of that lineage. Can you imagine walking or riding 70 miles to take lunch to someone and then they publicly insult you? Are you kidding me? I'm riding from Lansing to take lunch to Trevor and Alan and Dawn and Janet, and when I show up, they start to insult me. I would have taken that food and, well, I would have eaten some of the food first, of course. And then just pitched the rest of it. That's what I would have done. But this speaks to the character of David. He simply turns to the next person and says, what will happen to the man? What does he get? Be very careful of the Eliabs around you. You know, when Christopher Columbus said he was going to reach the east by sailing west, people thought he was crazy. When Walt Disney said he was going to create this magical resort, people thought he was creepy. Be careful with whom you share your dreams. When the first steamship was about to sail, writers from the New York Times came beside the dock and they wrote, this ship will never sail. When the ship began to move, they ran beside the ship and they wrote, this ship will never stop. That's what the Eliabs do. And by the way, the Eliabs are often the people very close to you. There are people who have lost their dreams. And then they want to impose their lost dreams on you. You can't make it. You're not good enough. You're not spiritual enough. You're not vegetarian enough. You're not this enough. That's what the Eliabs try to tell you. And by the way, some of the worst Eliabs, I call them dream killers, could be within you. You know, every day 
we have between 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts. 80% of those thoughts are negative. You do know that. So the lives are not always outside of you. They're sometimes inside of you. And I like David's response. When David was ready to go, and Saul said, David, this guy is too big to hit. David said, this guy is too big to miss. You take the negative stuff that people tell you. And if you have a God who has been setting you up for generations. Listen, I'm not here by chance. I don't know about you. I am not here by accident. God has been curating and preparing circumstances for me to be here at this time. And my attitude is going to be, I am not afraid of that. That is too big to miss. That was David's response. And the rest is history. And so I ask you the question, can God trust you with lunch? May God bless you.